Hey everyone, welcome back to the Keeping It Local podcast powered by First Federal Bank. Today, we are going to be talking about the Latino business community. Some of you know the Latino community is by far the fastest growing segment of our population. And we'll be diving into some of the struggles and opportunities they face when it comes to business and entrepreneurship. Joining me, we have our very own Brian McManus, looking great in his sport coat over there. We've also got Nelson Soler, the CEO of the Latino Chamber of Commerce of Southeast Wisconsin and the founder of the Latino Entrepreneurial Network of Southeast Wisconsin. And we've got Efrain Lara, the CEO of Milwaukee Pallets and Lara Associates. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you, Richie. Thank you. Nelson, let's start with you. Can you give an overview of the role of the Latino Chamber and just a summary of the resources that it provides to the businesses in the community? I'll be happy to. The Chamber was founded in 2017 with the goal to become an economic development entity, focusing on becoming the first Latino-led CDFI, which stands for Certified Development Financial Institution or Alternate Bank uh, for Small Business. And we have kept on, on that road is a five-year plan, and it's a very cumbersome process because of the federal designation. So we have focus in providing uh, lending and financing resources for businesses, also assisting them with technical assistance. So we have programs that will uh, help uh, an employer like Efrain develop his staff uh, through English as a second language, computer training. Uh, we also have health contractors with those things. And we focus also on advocacy, which is a big role of us, uh, of people understanding the importance of the Latino growing community in Wisconsin uh, and how it is impacting economic development. And it's, you just, it started five-ish years ago. Can you just touch on some of the businesses that you guys have helped as far as volume and any any success stories? We have plenty. Uh, when we started and when we became more visible was during the pandemic. During the pandemic, we became the bilingual emergency hotline for the state. And in a short period of about four months, we handled 1,900 uh, calls with only two cell phones. And the calls ranged from individuals trying to get masks to understand the health orders and the closures to I need money to supplement my income um, because I don't have um, an income stream right now. So through that process, we gather primary data of the needs of Latino businesses in the region, especially we found um, inequities in, in the um, what we call the digital gap. Uh, many Latino businesses were trying to fill out a complex federal application using their cell phone. Uh, we found gaps in access to resources. For instance, when the health order was issued, was issued uh, with very complex language. And most of the business, about 60%, didn't understand it. So we had to quickly get on, on live on different social media platforms and translate the order so people understand whether they were closed or not or whether they applied for them or not. So it has been a very interesting road. We provided during that period uh, 25 grants to small businesses. And we also became a lender during that period through a donation through a foundation, and we manage over 33 loans, microloan, emergency microloans for restaurants, for hair salons, and other businesses that were literally closed with no income. Man, what was that? What was that like for you personally? Personally, it was draining. I was working uh, Saturdays, Sundays, and 
Uh, many people don't know that I do the chamber work as the CEO, as a volunteer individual, so I don't get paid for that work. And I also run a small business, so I had to attend my business while simultaneously help or try to help these 1,900 people that were calling at one point or another. Now, what what uh, what kept you going during all that? Uh, it keeps me going. I'm, I've been always passionate about entrepreneurship, and I think it's important that when you have the knowledge or the access to resources that you share them. Uh, keeping a resource for yourself could be probably profitable or um, perfect for you, but it's not going to advance you. I always mean a servant leader and believe in servant leader principle both for my business and my life and i think the the way you grow the way you advance as a human being the way you generate revenue is by helping others uplifting them with you love it um efrain let's go over to you can you just touch on your backstory and how you got into milwaukee pallets and a little bit about the company um yes definitely milwaukee pallets pretty much was purchased uh, in an offer, I would say, on the door, right? I was a distribution center manager, and out of the blue, this guy delivered some pallets, and he said, do you want to buy my company? And I said, why not? You know, how much you want? You know, it's kind of try to be the show up, right, with the big bucks, but it, it wasn't like that, you know? <laughs> and then everything started from point A to point B as a, uh, to be honest, I wasn't not even know what I was getting into because I was pretty much always in my comfort zone. You know, be in your comfort zone, you know, be in a stable job, management position, be in a standard high upper manager level. No need for challenge. But this is what an entrepreneur actually is made for. Challenge. You need to be up for challenge. What is new? What is what you need to be discovered? And actually build a team. And uh, that's how I purchased Milwaukee Palace in 2014. And uh, with no experience, to be honest, I have to be honest, no experience. The experience that I get it is pretty much just to build a strong team. And uh, a lot of the network that was pretty much for the diversity that is in Milwaukee area. And I would say thanks for Nelson. That was one of the biggest steps that, you know, kind of makes uh, a lot of people success. Yeah, touch on how you've utilized the chamber to help your business. Well, actually, um, Nexel actually helps uh, hundreds of people during the years. And I think most of the people don't understand the process that gets involved into that. We have the heart because we do. We have the feeling, the power that we need to be out there and, and, and discover and, you know, make new ways. But we don't know the process. So we need to find somebody to actually to walk us to the process. And Nelson was there. The chamber was there. And thanks to the chamber, you know, they help 100 people a year or more than 100 know the process is, is, is a way better way to look, uh, I would say, the, the new business. Because, I mean, definitely we understand the ABCs, right? But sometimes we got to skip and because we need to, we think that it's easy to skip A and they go to the F. But, you know, as soon as you start skipping letters, you know, the process has no value. Yeah. And if somebody's not there to guide you, then your process is not, not, it's not good. Yeah. That's cool. You, um, 
you took a leap, a kind of leap of faith and dove right in. We're yeah. drinking from the fire hose. I'm sure I know what it's like to start a business. It's not easy. You have to learn a lot on the fly and deal with a lot. So um, give you a lot of credit for that. Um, yeah, I mean, what what is what has been the most rewarding part for you as a as a business owner over these last eight years? I think the most rewarded is uh, to build a team. It's not even build a team, build a family. Uh, because when you're creating jobs, you're supporting families. I think uh, Frank hit on something very important. I think that in our community, entrepreneurs are very full of passion and f- and they are very good at identifying their purpose. And they know why they're opening a business. We're very family-oriented, very uh, community-oriented. And we fall short in the area of planning and the planning piece. And the intersection between those three is what can lead to success, even though success is a, a relative term. But you look at passion, planning, and calibrate those with purpose uh, and planning, then you really succeed. So you balance that passion with your purpose and your purpose with your planning. Uh, challenges that we saw, as uh, Brian was mentioning, was this digital and processing piece that was really complex. Uh, challenges unique to our community is that the way we do business in the United States is not the same as we do business back in our countries. So there's a cultural and linguistic barrier to do business. The way we look at banks, banks fail so many times in Latin America. When you come and look at a bank, you always had that chill of that it might fail. And um, not everybody has the uh, knowledge to understand that some other deposits are insure. Um, also, the fact that we're very family-oriented, and you heard Efrain, that was his emphasis. He didn't talk about profits. He didn't talk about cost reduction. So when you're looking at your employees as an extension of your family, your values are different, your priorities are different, and that can impose a toll on the business owner. Um, so you might ha- keep an employee longer even though they're not performing. You might not look at ROI. you rather look at, I'm creating jobs. Uh, so how do you balance that act? So that cultural piece and then the barriers that are imposed by institutions and systems really impair sometimes our ability to truly succeed in, in this marketplace. Well, I also think one thing to point out, and I think you guys both touched on a little earlier, is there's lots of chambers, CDFIs around the state and around the country that are very good at trying to help people source grants and loans. You come here, you walk away, here's some money, good luck. And really where I think one of the things that you try to focus on, and you've talked about this a lot in the past, is not just helping them apply for something specific, but it's the skill training, right? You get a lot of small family businesses that might have two employees, they may have 20. And I think we've talked about training people how to use Excel, how to use the Google platforms, how to provide the access and maybe eliminate some of that digital gap rather than just trying to cure it by trying to Here's the check. Here's ultimately what you wanted, but that doesn't fix the problem when a lot of the problem is the training and getting access to all the same materials, the training that everybody else has to create a more level footing. Correct. I think it's looking beyond the transaction. So many chambers and organizations are transactional and they push the transaction out where us, we're looking more at the relationship and the growth. So I am a believer of empowering people. I don't want you to just fill out this application, get your loan, go away. I want you to understand the whole process, what it meant for you to fill this out, how are your financial statements, how your financials relate to the actual application. So next time you do it, you're empowered to do one on your own. And I think that sometimes 
uh, as organizations, we are rewarded for that dependency instead of creating that independency in the business owner. And I, I have found that the more independent a person like Efrain is, the better off I am because then I can help three more people through the same process. Efrain, I was curious, what were some of the bigger challenges when you left your comfort zone? I would say the biggest challenge is understand the process. Believe it or not, I mean, you manage a multi-million company, but it's always, you know, there's somebody's on the back actually actually watching for other process to get it done, right? And when, when you're by yourself and you need to understand the process, means that you, under, you need to understand what is this money is going to go for, what this money is going to invest. And especially uh, when talking about a mortgage and banks, uh, your first impression, to be honest, is you are scared of banks. Why are you scared of banks? Because the first thing is, you know, they're going to say no. And, 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 and too much paperwork. How are we going to fill this paperwork? My, uh, you know, my customer is requesting this, uh, you know, this law to be ready, but I don't have the, the funds and to explain this, to break it down to the bank that will understand me. So pretty much understand the process that it, it definitely is your biggest challenge. And that's why earlier I just mentioned to build a strong team to understand those process. That's the key factor because you don't have to be scared of the banks. Actually, you need to be friends of the banks. You don't need, you don't be to be scared of your accountant. No, you need to be afraid of your accountant. You know, you don't have to be afraid of, be afraid to anybody. You need to f- be, be able to understand how people think and why people telling you that a specific situation or specific moments, why they can say no or why they can say yes. So what about, you mentioned networking earlier too, and working with other small businesses. So a number of years ago, I used to own my own business as well. And what I found was the most help I got were from other people owning small businesses, even who you would have said were direct competitors. But I found that everybody understands the challenges and what keeps you awake at night. And I found that my biggest supporters were the people that you would have said, well, that's your direct competitor, but sharing examples as to, hey, you really need to work with this person as an attorney or these banks help or go to this supplier. Like, you know, you almost make a bigger family, right? Like that's really extended out. And have you found that to be your experience? I learned not to get mad. Actually, I learned to listen to my competitors because if they see, well, Efrain is not going to get to point A to point B because he's not doing this, but he already make a point. Why I'm not listening to him? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's the same. My accountant, my accountant said, "Boy, Efrain, you're not doing this and doing that." He sees something that I don't see. So my point of view in business is been take 360 degrees. You know, I make my closest friend closest to me. Put it this way, and I learn from that point. I agree with that. I believe in in the concept of co-providing. You cannot serve the entire market. So working with individuals that are doing something similar to you is is the best resource you can develop uh, because you're not going to be able to duplicate someone. So each one of us, if we focus on our purpose and our uniqueness, we will find opportunities working with call providers that do the same thing we do. So the chamber is a micro lender. Micro lender attends to smaller requests. 
Um, as bankers know, a request for $5,000 takes as much effort as a request for half a million dollars. So sometimes a banker is not, or a bank is not suited to attend those smaller requests. So the chamber offers what we call emergency loans that range between $1,000 to $3,000 to attend an emergency in a business, something broke, a heater broke, you cannot make payroll because somebody didn't pay you on time. And those requests serve quite a bit of people. We had issue about 33 of those. We also have a capital equipment microloan program. And that program attends the needs of individuals that need a piece of equipment to complete a contract or to increase the capacity of their enterprise. Uh, we also have what we call Kiva lending, which is a crowdfunded product. And a person can apply for a 0% loan from their peers, so colleagues and peers, organizations. Uh, they crowdfunding half and we uh, match the other half. Recently, we were uh, fortunate enough that one of our private funders gave us some seed funding to start an equity fund. So we'll be able to help micro uh, enterprises with up to $3,000 to start their business and match that up with any of these micro lending products that we also have. Um, so it's really, we're always looking at gaps in lending. We're not trying to compete with Brian or with other bank. We're trying to attend that need that they cannot serve uh, and that we can do better in, in that regard. Sometimes it's a cultural uh, solution, sometimes it's a linguistic issue, uh, but we work closely with banks to ensure that that pipeline of services is always attended. And is the best way to maybe talk about the Kiva, is that Almost maybe like a GoFundMe, but it's a loan program versus a grant, but at the zero percent interest. But it's that type of philosophy, right? Where there could be any random investors that are participating in to help fund what would be your business. That is correct. And then, do you want to touch on just some of the strategic partnerships that you have with financial institutions, community groups, um, and how that has improved access to capital? Obviously, you touched on that through the loan program a bit, but also financial literacy. Sure. So in general, we have partnerships with foundations. So we had two foundations that fund our technical assistance and loan program. We had the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, the Silver Foundation. They have provided us with funding to execute, for instance, uh, contractor outreach. We have a lot of individuals in the Latino community, about 43% of them, that are working as an independent contractor without formalizing a venture. And they're to some extent being taken advantage of by the prime contractors who are educating them in how to run properly a business and diversified the pipeline of, of uh, work that they received. We also have partners uh, like Brian that is funding our financial literacy efforts. So we have, I don't like to talk too much about financial literacy, I like to talk about wealth uh, improvements. So in Spanish, we call it a little bit different, economic prosperity or Prosperando Juntos. So we have a program called Path to Wealth in which we take an entrepreneur from the personal side and from the business side and help them learn how to budget and how the personal side relates to the business side to properly manage their cash flow, to understand how they can accumulate wealth by buying real estate, to understand investments, succession planning, and everything else. So that's a very strong program that we had had for through other organization for about 17 years and had uh, received national recognition because we follow a family cohort case management model. Uh, so we meet individuals where they are. So we have a cohort of individuals that are exploring uh, achieving wealth by home ownership. We tailor the program for them and we leverage the partnership with a bank 
uh, and with a banker like Brian and their foundations to ensure that that cohort goes through the entire process. And finally, we also applied for grants and we were fortunate to get our fortunate or unfortunate to receive ARPA funding. And through that funding, we re- the chamber will be funded at $2.9 million to provide technical assistance, uh, 0% loans. And um, so we will be able to increase our capacity substantially and uh, hire people to go and canvas businesses. So those are some of the few areas that we're partnered with organizations. The same way we partnered with this organization that gave us the seed funding for the equity fund. And now we're looking for partners to match that equity fund. One of the things that one of the programs of the chamber that has taken a lot of traction is on summit, which is a program aimed at reducing inequities in different areas. So we're addressing access to competitively priced capital, access to healthcare, access to real estate investment and home ownership access to immigration resources. So we have been rotating this for four years and we have our coming on summit for Milwaukee uh, County uh, now on September 23rd from 8 to 1 p.m. in which we'll address these issues. So business owners are convened with professionals like Brian and then they get to have conversations that are meaningful and facilitated rather than just the traditional model and the expert and here and teaching you, I have my micro, my PowerPoint behind me or some type of presentation. And then the person doesn't get to interact with the expert. So we flipped the model, which the people, we started a program with questions. What questions you have about banking? What questions you have about capital? Through that model, we have been able to implement all this programming with the chamber, the microloan program, the workforce development program, because we're gathering actual input from the people that we want to serve. Very cool. And then just to end on this, what are each of you most excited about when it comes to the Latino business community here in Milwaukee? Well, I'm pretty much excited because uh, definitely I would like to see pretty much all the network and all the success stories uh, for uh, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, and pretty much knowing that it's going to be uh, bankers uh, and other speakers, uh, pretty much range your knowledge. You know, learn. Uh, you're never gonna end learning, and uh, this is a very wise opportunity to participate, uh, to be part of the community as well, uh, because you're not left behind. I mean, because you can see a lot of, uh, I would say, communities they do a different um, opportunities, but for Latinos, uh, there's very minimal, to be honest, and, and this is one of the the one that needs to be recognized. Uh, whole levels and be there. I would re- definitely 100% recommend it. I, I'd be in every single one and I learn a lot, a lot. And uh, you got the opportunities, like Nelson said, to speak out, to say exactly what are your feelings and what you're expressing. And you got the bankers, uh, you got Nelson say is going to be a person for immigration, but they also is person for uh, uh, health services and uh, different providers. If you have questions, that's that's your key. I think to go back to your question, what I'm most excited about our community here in Milwaukee is that we're 34 percent more inclined than the general population to start a business. However, we average about one million dollars in business revenues during COVID. Our average revenues were 343. However, our business resilience was at 82, while the business resilience of African Americans was around 
62, and Asian Americans were about 73. So we're a very resilient group that we immediately pivot when something doesn't turn out to be the way it was. And I think how restaurants have learned how to use cash, cashless systems, how they have implemented delivery systems. And now they have changed their model because out of necessity, turn, turn it into opportunity. So our resilience is the highest of any other group in the region. Cool. Well, Nelson, Efrain, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today. A, a lot of respect for what both you guys are doing to help move entrepreneurship forward in the city. Well, thank you for having us. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you, Richie. Thank you both. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Keeping It Local podcast powered by First Federal Bank. Please share this episode if you got value from it and subscribe to the podcast if you have not already.